Welcome to Hope Community Podcast. It's great to have you join us today listening online. We pray you'll be impacted by our message this week. Enjoy. Welcome Dan to the stage. Thank you. Thanks team. Welcome. Great to have you here. Who's ready to get in the Word this morning? Great. Get your Bibles out. Get your pens out. And uh, we are in a series called Holy Habits, Positioning Yourself for God's Best. This is week two of the series. And uh, it's going to be a bit of a teachy series, all right? So that doesn't mean you get to switch off. What it means is that you're going to get a whole stack of information. And then as you are receiving that information that you pray and welcome the work of the Holy Spirit to highlight the things that the Spirit might want you to do in your life. And so we, tra- we take the truth of God's Word and then we welcome the transformation of it in our life. It's like seeds being planted in soil. We say, Father, let us be good soil and let these seeds grow into mighty works in Jesus' Name. Are you with me on that? All right, so you kind of, you're at Bible college today. Um, I used to fall asleep regularly at Bible college. I must admit, don't do that. All right, we're going to get into this. If you want to change your life, change your habits. And that's what we're talking about this series. Now we understand, if anyone's getting worried about that, we understand that Jesus is the way, the truth and the life. He is the only one that can bring life and life to the fullest. Holy habits are just a way of positioning ourselves for God's best, for transformation and for blessing. And so you cannot do these things and still receive salvation. That's because God is good and that's who He is and what He does. Or you can do these things and put yourself in a position where you're going to get the very best that God has for you. Who prefers that one? Amen? Yes. So um, I was talking to someone just this week and I was really excited. Actually, Thursday chapel, I bumped into someone. They said, Pastor Dan, I started a new habit this week. And I was like, yes, one person was listening. This is great. (laughs) Praise the Lord for that. And I said, well, what's your new habit? And she said, time in the Bible and time in prayer, time with God before breakfast. Can't have brekkie till I've had my time with God. I was like, that is a great habit to start. How many people do that habit already? Anyone? Okay, that's cool. There we go. How many people are like, I'm too hungry in the morning? (laughs) It's breakfast first. Well, that's good. And I can guarantee there's a 100% money back guarantee on that one there that that is going to bring fruit, that habit in that person's life. Now, um, some spiritual disciplines our personal, inward things. We process them in private in many ways. And other spiritual disciplines require relationship and community. And today we're going to be talking about the holy habits of solitude and fellowship. And right away, all the introverts are like, yes, I love solitude. (laughs) Sign me up. That's good. All the extroverts, you guys are like, fellowship, how holy am I? I love people. 
Who in the room would say they're an introvert? Okay, maybe at half, extroverts? Yeah, and the extroverts responded much better than the introverts. <laughs> Multiply that number by at least two. So the introverts are going to be people who lean into solitude, extroverts, people who lean into fellowship. That's really natural because of the way that you've wired up. Uh, I'm an introvert. Believe it or not, people are like, how can you be an introvert when you're in front of people all the time and stuff like that? And there's been people that have said to me, "Um, because you're an introvert, you know, it means that you don't like people. And that's not great as a pastor, (laughs) okay? It's pretty important that you care about people if you're going to be a pastor. And it's not true that I don't like people, okay? I want you to hear that. I love people when my people tank is full. Uh, When my people tank is empty, I just love me. Uh, That's how it works. So I have to work at having a full people tank. Um, Even my wife knows this at times, that if my people tank is empty, it's just me, solitude. Here I come. But being an introvert or an extrovert is not about whether you like or dislike people. It's about whether you are energised or not in being around, being with people. And we're going to touch on a little bit of that today. Um, On Sundays, I do a lot of people stuff. I love people. On Mondays, no people. (laughs) All right? Just make a note of that for me. It's holy. I'm just communicating in a holy way. Monday's solitude with the Lord. Uh, Liz and I had to work this out in our marriage. Liz is an extrovert. I'm an introvert, okay? That causes issues at times. So, for an example, early in our marriage, like we would have a Saturday where we didn't have many plans on that day and I'm thinking, great, no people. And Liz is thinking, hey, we've got a Saturday free. Who can we invite over? And as soon as she starts talking that way, I'm freaking out, right? So we know that I need at least six weeks uh, preparation for that. (laughs) All right, let me start with solitude. Going to be some teaching stuff if you're a note taker. um, Start taking notes. Solitude, to give you a definition of that. Solitude is fasting from people. That sounds pretty cool, hey? That's a really holy way of telling someone that you need some space back off. Um, Fasting from people to connect with God and replenish the soul. And so we know that we build relationship with God by spending time with Him, uh, just as we build relationship with people by spending time with people, right? And so we need that time and that space to be with God and to connect with him. Now, there is a big difference between solitude and isolation. Isolation is running away and hiding from God and from people. It's disconnection. Solitude is hiding from people to be with God. It's connection, all about connection. So to get really practical in this, where do we see this in the Bible? I'm going to read a couple of passages for you. Matthew 14, 23 says, After sending them home, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. Night fell while he was there alone. Everyone say alone for me. Mark 6, 31. 
Then Jesus said, let's go off by ourselves to a quiet place and rest a while. He said this because there were so many people coming out and going that Jesus and his apostles didn't even have time to eat. He was just looking forward to some space where he could eat. Amen. Come on. After church on a Sunday, Luke 5, verse 15. But despite Jesus' interactions, the report of his power spread even faster and vast crowds came to hear him preach and to be healed of their diseases. But Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness for prayer. So I wanna give you a list. Here's some of the ways that Jesus used solitude. He used it to prepare for his public ministry. He spent 40 days in the wilderness preparing for what God had ahead for him. He used it for mourning. We read in the scriptures that after uh, his cousin, John the Baptist, his head was cut off. Jesus was sad, spent some time in solitude mourning. He used it for focused prayer. He used it as rest. Even after a hard day, he got away by himself. He used it before choosing the 12. He spent time in prayer, asking the Lord to help him with that. And we see that he used it in the garden. Before he went to his death on the cross, Jesus spent time in solitude, in prayer with the Father. And so the question is, as we look at these holy habits for ourselves, why do you and I need this holy habit of solitude? And I've done a great Baptist job here of giving you four things that all start with the letter C. All right? I worked hard on this. Thank you, Richard. You appreciate it. First of all, connection. We need this time to connect with God. Can you connect with God in other spaces? Absolutely. But there are qualities about this time of solitude that we need. We need to connect with God in this place. Clarity. How many people know how busy and noisy life is? We need to get away from the noise. We need to take a step back. And often as we do that, we get perspective. God helps us see things His way. Calm. Some of us just need a rest. Some of us are not hearing the Lord's voice because we are so busy and we're exhausted and we just need to rest in His presence. And concentration. Some of us are just so distracted that God has strategies for us to navigate seasons and callings and yet we're so distracted that we're not picking up on the things God's putting in front of us. Some of us have big decisions that we need to make in life and we need to get away and be with Jesus to help make those decisions. Really important stuff. So what does it look like as we actually do these things? One way you can do it is you can just schedule it in. Literally block out that time on your calendar. If you don't do that, it's probably not gonna happen, right? So you block it out on your calendar. I believe solitude is so important that I give our pastors one day a term to go out during work time and to spend that time in solitude with God. They have to be connected with the Father if they're gonna do what God is calling them to do here at Hope Community. 
And so I send them out. It looks different for every one of them what they do with that time. But that's a place where I'm praying for them on those days and I'm praying that they're going to hear God's voice, that He's going to refresh them and maybe even give them some fresh vision for what He's calling them to as well. Uh, My time with God usually involves climbing a mountain, surfing. People would say, oh, that's convenient. (laughs) I can't help that that's where I connect with the Lord, okay? (laughs) And even just doing something in our yard. If I'm on the ride on mower, God's speaking. It's good. What else do you need to do? Remove distractions. It means the phone goes off. It means you won't be checking emails for a period of time. You've got to get away from the noise. Another thing, worship. I have had three significant encounters with the Lord that I can remember when I've gone into solitude. I've literally got my laptop, opened it up, played some worship music in um, Canada, on the Gold Coast, and in Vanuatu, I can remember three really significant encounters where I just started worshipping the Lord in my hotel room and the presence of God met me in that place and God showed me new things for what He was doing in my life. We just worship. Now you can, we got, we got, we got our phone in our pocket these days. It can be in your lounge room, you know, Pastor Tam sometimes closes all her curtains on a Monday and just dances in worship in her lounge. If you're driving past and she forgets to close the curtains, you get a peek. But, or you can just watch her in the front row, on, front row on a Sunday anyway. It can be in your lounge room. It can be on a mountaintop. But you're just worshipping the Lord in solitude. Uh, obviously, you can talk to Him. Talk to him like a father. I, if, if I'm hiking in particular, my hiking time is gratitude time. As I'm walking, I'm just saying, thank you, Lord, for this. Thank you for that. I find that helps just redirect my eyes, give him gratitude, and um, stress seems to disappear when you do that. Uh, you can read your Bible, obviously. Journal if you're a journaler. You can do strategic planning sessions with God. Really good to sit down with Him as as you're looking forward in life. You can do nothing. You can rest. How good does that sound? I started to practice last year 15 minutes a day of sitting in silence with God. And I go with nothing. And you know what's so amazing? As I go, God starts to speak to me about things that I'm not even asking Him about. And I love it. I'll be preaching in two months' time and the Father will say, here's what I want you to speak on. And I'm like, hey, I didn't even ask you about that yet. How good is that? Easy money. (laughs) Spend that time with the Lord. So we are positioning ourselves for the Father to pour into us. All right, how many people think solitude sounds amazing? Yes? How many extroverts have just said, I'm open to it? Okay, (laughs) Four. <laughs> You'll need to listen to the message again. All right, next one, fellowship. Going to keep just moving through this stuff. Uh, a definition of fellowship, engaging with other disciples in activities that increase our capacity to experience more of God and express His heart 
to the world. So it's not just about us, it's about the Father's heart for other people as well. We're, we're, we're carriers of the gospel, amen? And so we spend time with other followers and we're encouraged in that. So last week I talked about the invitation that Jesus gives for us to follow Him. And depending on where you are in the journey, for some of us here, we will know that when we said yes to that invitation to follow Jesus, there were some tough changes that had to happen in, in our lives. I had to get a whole new set of friends and it was hard. I had some friends that were taking me this way and I was saying yes to Jesus and I needed to distance myself from them so I could follow Jesus. That was really hard. When we start making those decisions for Jesus, then we need His people around us. This is where fellowship comes into it. So where do we see this in the Bible? Well, obviously Jesus was really good with people. If you've read the Gospels, you will know Jesus spent a stack of time with people. He went to parties. Um, he went to the synagogue regularly. He ate with people. He had people following him around 24-7. Introverts, how do you feel about that? Okay, he had to be the son of God, right? That's amazing, 24-7. Travelled with people, ate with people, slept in the same spaces with people 24-7. That's why he had to get away at times, okay? But he loved spending time with people. Now, I wanna jump to one of the greatest examples we see in Scripture, and it's in Acts 2, which is awesome that here we are on Pentecost and we're talking about this. Acts 2, 42 it says, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. That's what we're doing here this morning. And to fellowship. Here we are gathered together and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshipped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Isn't this an amazing example? These are the things we pray for and this is what church looks like when we do it God's way, all right? Now, I want you to hear this. God has created us for community. It's part of His plan for us is that we gather together. And so isolation is not God's plan for us. Solitude is a part of the plan, but not isolation. And so often we can tend to isolate when we're reacting to things that happen in community. But here's the thing, we need to make choices to place ourselves in fellowship because this is where God does His best work. I got permission today um, to talk to you about a guy who I think is actually really incredible. His name is Scott. He's sitting in the room here with us today. And uh, Scotty was on a journey uh, he had a faith that was very different to what we talk about here and what we believe here at Hope Community. 
And he really started to realise that there were some things that he, some questions he didn't have answers to. And he left the, the church of that faith and he thought that the answer was actually just to get away from any organised religion, that that's, that's how he needed to do things and so he isolated. And he was telling me that part of his story is he actually did that for a whole year before he realised isolation does not work. It was not getting him anyway. And then he turned up to Hope Community. And as I said, he believed very different things. He was on a journey, but he came in humility into this community where all these people believed different things to him, um, talked differently to him, experienced God differently to him. And he laid it all down before God in humility and said, Father, I want you to lead me in this. And I want you to hear this. And this is why I just think he's an amazing guy. Where he used to be, he was a really respected leader and teacher. He was a worship leader. People listened when he talked. People looked up to him. He came into a space where no one knew who he was. In a sense, he had no role and that was hard for him at times, but he held on to God just in humility and said, I really need you. And what I love is even at times, when um, he could see that um, there were some real differences with people here or maybe someone rubbed him up the wrong way or he disagreed with something in this place, it would have been so easy for him to retreat and disappear and go back to being isolated again. But he chose to stay in fellowship because he knew that that's where God had great stuff for him. And I just think it's an amazing example of making the tough choices at times to be in the places where God wants us to be. And I wanted to share this with you because I realise that at times, church fellowship can be a messy, difficult place, but it's where God does some of His greatest work. And so I wanna cheer you on today, wherever you're at on that journey, hang in there, Do it for you and the Lord and the community that God has called you to. I also want you to see this. Church is different to other communities that you can experience in life. And some of you might think, well, you know, my golfing community is far more loving than my church community. And I hear that. Some of you may be involved with great sporting communities or common interest groups. And community can happen in those places in amazing ways ways. I agree with that. I was part of a CrossFit community and um, community happened in that place. Amazing. People were so welcoming. People cared for each other. If someone was moving house, they'd all help that person moving house. There was connection. It was amazing. But here's the difference. As we gather together as God's community, we are cheering each other on to move forward to Jesus, okay? Other communities are not about that. Those communities are gonna help my deadlift get bigger, right? Uh, Gonna give me a six pack, hopefully if I'm there long enough and I do the right things. We're gonna come together in Christian community and we're gonna cheer one another on and we're gonna grow towards Jesus. That's what church community is all about. So why do you and I need the holy habit of fellowship? Let me just give you a real quick list. 
Number one, because we encourage each other in community. We encourage one another, we pray for one another, we strengthen each other. In community, we care for each other. We serve one another in love. We actually love one another. We're hospitable to one another. We look after each other and we comfort one another in hard times. There are people you're sitting next to today and they're at a low point right now and you're on the mountaintop. You're here to comfort those people. And sometimes you might be in that place of challenge and you need them to come and comfort you. That's what happens in community. In community, we grow. There's this word in the Scriptures, admonish. It kind of means uh, lovingly correct one another. There are times where we stand with each other and we say, hey, you're on the wrong track and I wanna walk with you as we get back on the right track together. That's what happens in community. We restore one another. You know, I saw this amazing example of restoration in the Solomon Islands. As you go to church, sometimes in their church gatherings, there are a whole stack of people sitting at the very back of the church. As there are today, nothing against you guys. But in this context, those people were openly talked about in church as the backsliders. So they'd been naughty for whatever reason. They had to sit at the back of the church for a period of time, but the heart of it was restoration, that they would repent, that they would be restored back into community and they wanted that. They were there because that's what they wanted. They'd chosen to step out of community for some reason and they wanted to come back into that community. Our gatherings are about restoration constantly and we need to be people of grace who welcome that. Amen? All right. So the big question is for many people here is what does it look like if you've been hurt in church? There are some people here today and you are carrying some stuff, some pain. Maybe you've been spiritually abused in church. People have taken advantage of you. People have said really hurtful things. Maybe even, you know, here's what God says about you, abused you in that sense and use God's name to really get in there and cause some hurt for you. And I want you to hear this today. I understand this. I'm not standing here as someone who thinks church is perfect, um, hope community is perfect. The, the news is this may amaze you, but church is full of people, all right? And people are not perfect. And um, the funny thing as a pastor is you don't get to choose who comes to your church either. So everyone who walks through the door today has not been vetted as a lovely person who is never going to offend you or upset you in any way. They might not dress the way that you like them to dress. They might have a different fashion sense to you. They might have different interests to you. This is church, but it's just like family. As we come together, every family has that really weird uncle, right? <laughs> every family has one. Okay, or every family has that person who just drives you nuts. In the group chat, they're really opinionated and you leave the group chat, but then you don't know what's going on anymore. So you go back in and you think, I can't hear any more of that, right? Every family has those people. Church is no different. 
God's family is no different because we're all here, okay? Sometimes I'm going to be the weird uncle. Sometimes you're going to be the weird uncle, okay? But here's something that's amazing about fellowship. In community, we learn to forgive. In community, we learn to heal. In community, we learn to love one another. In community, we see the value in differences. You know what? I genuinely love our church family. I need our church family. You know, I was, praying, I was getting prayed for by a group of people this morning. And uh, where's Andrew Muller? Here he is. Andrew Muller and I have journeyed really closely for years and years. He doesn't know I'm using him as an example today. There was a time in Andrew's life where he had a spiritual encounter with the Lord and he hasn't been the same ever since. And the evidence of that is that every time he prays or knows the presence of the Lord is near, he starts giggling, (laughs) right? Now, this joy that the Lord has given him is contagious, all right? And sometimes, you know, if Andrew's sitting there and he's having an encounter with the Lord, it breaks out around him as well. Now, in that context, is he the weird uncle? <laughs> Maybe he is. But he, he was praying for me this morning, giggling away. And as he's doing that and he's praying just this amazing stuff over me, I realised I need this. Father, thank you for Andrew. He's blessing me with joy right now and I need what he's giving to me. You have something that's gonna come to me through him. Now, I could list off a whole stack of people in this family and you have things that I am so grateful for and you've shaped me and you've challenged me and you've loved me and forgiven me. This is what fellowship looks like. And this is where God does his greatest work. Hebrews 10, we've got to speak about this verse. It says, Let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now the day of his return is drawing near. I want you to hear this. Fellowship is not just about finding the right people to be with. It is being, it's about being committed to a group of people who are all heading towards Jesus. And sometimes that's gonna be a really challenging thing. And sometimes pain's gonna happen. And we learn to forgive and love people. Now, I'm not trying to make light of some situations that I I understand there's some deep stuff that's happened in some people. And um, I really get that. But all we can do with that is really pray that the Lord will meet you in that place. And you can continue to be faithful to him and the calling that he has for you and that he's gonna bring healing to your life and to the other people who are part of those situations, amen? It's amazing how God can use really difficult situations for upgrades. Challenge brings amazing things when we do it with God. All right, two more things I wanna say on that. Number one, if you are isolated, you are a target for the enemy. Scriptures say uh, he's like a lion waiting to find that person who's isolated that he can devour. When we isolate ourselves, we are an easy target. We need people around us. 
The other things scriptures talk about, I'm not gonna go into depth, but we have been created as a part of the body, God's body. So if you're the elbow and you're not in fellowship, we're missing an elbow and we need an elbow, right? If you're the big toe, then we need the big toe. We're gonna be falling over as the body of Christ, all right? It does a lot. So there are things in you that you bring to the body that are required because God has put those things in you. So don't see the body as a place where it's just something where you come to get something. God's created you to be someone who brings something. Amen? All right. Practical. What do we do with this? Uh, The obvious thing, team, you can come up. I'm gonna wrap up around here. Um, The obvious thing is get to church. Prioritise getting to church. Um, I want to address this to online church. Uh, we stream church and every Sunday we have amazing people joining with us. And I want to encourage you, online anything in fellowship can be an amazing space, right? Particularly if you can't get somewhere because of your geographic location, or particularly for health issues, some people simply can't get out of the house so they can still be a part of a community online. Um, But if online, if you're choosing online because you're choosing not to be connected with people, then you're missing out on some of God's plan for you. So there are some great things that can happen in that space, but you will not get the fellowship and the community that God has planned for you when you are with those people in person and God's at work in those places. Now, can we structure things up for online so people can still um, experience community online? Sure, we can always do a better job of that. But number one, we'll always be meeting together in person. And some people are isolated in choosing to be online. Some of you, you're getting a talking to online right now and you're feeling like, ah, he's talking to me. Maybe I am, I don't know. But I'm talking to introverts in particular. We know what this is like. It's easy to be like, yeah, I've been to church, I've gone online. Didn't have to talk to anyone. It was wonderful, (laughs) right? God has more for us than that. We need to gather together. I love that here we are on Pentecost and we know that as they gathered together in the upper room, the presence of God came. It was in this setting as they were united together that God said, I'm gonna let my presence fall on these people. This is the altar that I see as acceptable. And amazing things happen as we gather together in one place and in unity. So I wanna just keep encouraging you in that. Couple more practical things you can do. Find people to pray with, praying people with people is an amazing way to get to know their heart. Amazing. Join a connect group. It's about doing life with people. This is how many Christians, early church, and many Christians right across the world still do church today. They gather together in people's homes. They break bread together. They read the scriptures together. They sing, worship together. Another one, be intentional about God being a part of your closest friendships. We can have friends who are followers of Jesus, but that's where it stays. Or we can have friends who are followers of Jesus and we sharpen one another. 
I have several groups, different groups of friends and we pray together, we talk about the Lord together, we share prophetic words for each other. We, we encourage one another when things are tough. Be intentional about those friendships. Not just people we go surfing with, go fishing with, see at the footy club with, whatever that looks like. But these are people and we come together around Jesus. Amen. All right, why don't you jump on your feet? And I just wanna land you with two questions as we finish up. Like I said at the start, I have thrown all this information at you. And now we just wanna welcome the voice of the Holy Spirit. And so you might wanna close your eyes. Just take a posture where you say, yes, Lord, I want you to speak to me. And first of all, I just want you to put this whole idea of solitude before Him and say, Lord, is there something I need to do differently to engage with You in this area of solitude? Do I need to schedule something in? Do I need some time away to be with You? Holy Spirit, speak to me. What does this look like? Holy Spirit, are You telling me to go and climb a mountain? Go for a walk around the block. Sit in a chair out the back in silence. Now I want you to ask Him about fellowship. Say, Father, is there something that needs to change? Is there a new habit I need to start so that I can step in the fullness of what You have for me in fellowship? go a little bit deeper for a moment. Lord, what have you put in me that I bring into those spaces of fellowship? Am I an encourager? Am I an equipper? Am I a comforter? Do I bring joy? Do I bring hope? Am I that person that just prays for people at the right time? What have you put in me, Lord, that I bring? And I want you to ask Him too, Lord, what is it that I need that will be found in fellowship right now? Maybe it's healing. Maybe it's fun and joy, hospitality. So Holy Spirit, thank You for the way that You're speaking right now to each one of us. God, we thank You that you, you love us and You lead us into places where we can receive more from You, Father. Transformation, blessing, it's Your grace that we position ourselves to receive, Lord. And in that, then we step into the places where You guide us and lead us and show us what fullness of life looks like with You. But Father, we pray together that we won't be people who just do nothing, Lord. That we'll steward the time that You give to us. That we'll steward the people that You put around us, Father. That we'll be hungry in pursuit of more of You, Heavenly Father. Lord, I pray just against any sense of religious spirit that we might bring to this. 
I pray against us just creating more to-do lists, holy to-do lists that are empty of our heart to actually meet with You. But Father, would You fan into flame a desire inside of us that is longing just to know You more, that's longing to grow in You. And therefore we wanna do whatever we can to be in those places where we receive from You. We're gonna worship now and I just want you, as we worship, we just wanna welcome the work of the Holy Spirit this morning. I just wanna sing for a moment and then in a moment, there's two things specifically that we're just gonna spend some time pressing into for ministry. Thanks team. Thanks so much for listening to Hope Community Podcasts. We hope you enjoyed today's message and remember to subscribe to the channel to keep up to date. From everyone here at Hope Community, have the best week.